Rational discussion, common sense, open debate. RCR, Reality Check Radio with Paul Brennan. Monday is Health Hacks Day here at Reality Check Radio. And it's my, well, it's privilege really, because I've learned so much from him already to welcome Dr. Glenn Davies of ReversalNZ.co.nz to this Health Hack program. Glenn, good to see you and hear from you again. As you say, it's an absolute um, privilege to have this opportunity to, I guess, share some of the, I don't know, the the beauty, the intricacy of how the human body works and, and how that relates to health. Today, we're just going to focus on magnesium. And a deficiency of magnesium causes so much disharmony within that uh, orchestra of the human body All that right, we're thinking okay. about. So, um, so yeah, we're just going to talk about magnesium today. It's referred to as the hero, um, and I liked that. Yeah. Um, so I thought we might just look at um, some of the things that it does within the human body. And, and I wanted to begin with energy production. So magnesium is an integral part of, mag- of energy production. So... Um, without magnesium, you experience fatigue. Right. So, um, so, and and when you look at at uh, energy production, uh, we can think of the first process is called glycolysis. The second part's called the Krebs cycle, and the the third part's called the electron transport chain. And I know that's a whole lot of big words. Nuclear physics. Yeah, magnesium is involved in 12 out of 22 of those enzyme reactions. So you can understand how we're going to feel fatigued if we've got a deficiency of magnesium when if if magnesium is not present in any of those steps, you get a bottleneck and that the elements don't feed through to the next stage. So anyone experiencing fatigue, you know, I would start by having a look at magnesium. And are we getting enough magnesium? And is the magnesium able to do what it wants to do? How do you know? What's the sort of the baseline that you should you should have on board to uh, yeah. you know not have fatigue and, and those sorts of issues? So that is such an important question. And most of the magnesium in our body, so we have 25 grams of magnesium in our body. So if you think, uh, a teaspoon is five grams. So we have five teaspoons of magnesium in our whole body. And okay. uh, I kind of thought there'd be more actually, but yeah, about five teaspoons. But 99% of it is within the cells and only 1% is in the blood. So unfortunately, a blood test is not a very good indicator oh, okay. yeah. of the total body stores. Um, towards the end, we'll, we'll talk about what might be... Um, better tests, but in terms of what we can order easily, red cell magnesium is a better test than blood magnesium. So we can measure the amount that's inside the red blood cell, which is an indicator of the intracellular magnesium. So a much better test than just measuring serum magnesium. So um, with five teaspoons, you're dividing essentially five teaspoons of magnesium by about what is it? 37 trillion. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Okay. You do you do the math. Yeah, well, while you're talking, I'll try and work it out. 
<laughs> yeah. In fact, I think you got to challenge me. Uh, I've got a calculator. Let's see what we can do. But anyway, okay. um, that's something to think about. Okay. So carry on. Um, energy is uh, is the cellular engine, isn't it? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. So so energy comes from the mitochondria. That's it. And um, I'm going to suggest that that's the, the topic for next Monday, actually, is mitochondria. The mitochondria are the little batteries within those 37 trillion cells, and there are 1,000 to 2,500 mitochondria in every cell. So that's another piece of mathematics to you for you to work out. And those wow. mitochondria okay. all produce the energy, which is called ATP. And magnesium is involved in most of those steps, and the mitochondria are jam-packed with magnesium because it's important for that final stage of energy production. So we'll we'll move more into that topic next week, but we just think energy, mitochondria, magnesium. I think that's the summary. Okay, then. Um, let's talk about muscle contraction. Yeah. So that kind of leads on from energy, doesn't it? So so Paul, if you if you think of your biceps, yeah. so to contract your biceps. You have yep. to relax the triceps, which is the muscle on the bottom of the arm. Right. I've never thought about this before, but okay, yeah. Okay. And to extend your arm, you've got to relax your biceps and contract your triceps. What happens if you contract them both at the same time? Your arm doesn't move. No, it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, it's locked in place. So calcium is the mineral which is responsible for muscle contraction. Yeah. And magnesium is responsible for muscle relaxation. Now, in the, they both have to occur at the same time or you have cramp. And so that leads on to this discussion of cramp. Cramp is when there's inadequate magnesium or the balance of calcium and magnesium is wrong and you don't get that relaxation phase. So a magnesium deficiency can lead to cramps, which generally occurs in the calf muscle, um, I'm sure every listener has had cramp at some stage, but usually wakes you up from night. You have it at night. You have it in your calf. You jump out of bed and dance around. Why in the calf? I think there's a, a, a fatigue element. Maybe the calf is the one, the muscle that we use the most. Um, but yeah, maybe that's because it. Because I've I've noticed that. Not so much uh, lately, because I haven't done uh, as much running lately as I used to. But um, if I was going to get cramp anywhere, it would be in the calf. And usually it was after about an hour and 15 or 20 of running. And sometimes it could be actually quite bad. Yeah. yeah. So, so muscle fatigue has a role in that. And we've talked about energy production being related to magnesium. So... I don't know exactly how that all ties together, but um, it does seem that magnesium might be the central element in both the fatigue and the cramp. When you're describing how those muscles work together and calcium, what um, uh, magnesium rela relaxes the muscle, calcium tensions it, I, is, I think is what you're saying. Yes. So is that like a rush of those things to the muscle as it's working or are they just sitting there default ready to do their thing and it's more the what's there already being programmed to make the move, movement that is desired no the as you send a the brain sends a message to contract your biceps then that's calcium um 
release. And then when you send a message to relax it, that's magnesium release. So it's kind of happening like that, but you have to have both available. You know, so if there was a inadequacy of either, you wouldn't, it would just wouldn't work properly. But there's no central repository of magnesium or calcium just in a tank waiting to go. I take it that it comes from the local area. Must do, eh? Yeah, it will be in the local area, but I think there is a, you know, the the repository um, for calcium is bone. Ah, um, right. And, gotcha. and Matt, there's a lot of magnesium stored in bone as well. Okay. So it's an intricate sort of um, um, uh, sequence of events then, right? When yeah, I mean, something common. as easy as, as that to us, there's a lot going on just to make that happen. Oh, tremendous amount. You know, there really is. Oh, we're, we're just sort of skimming the surface in this discussion. But yeah. So much complexity, and it all happens automatically, and most of the time it does it properly. So there's our skeletal muscle, but then there's these circular muscles. So if you think of the circular muscle that surrounds the breathing tubes or the circular muscle that surrounds our arteries, so it's kind of like our skeletal muscle, but it connects end to end. And so when that muscle contracts, you narrow the volume of the tube that it surrounds. So asthma, which is narrowing of the tubes that surround or, you know, the muscles surrounding our breathing tubes, that can be treated um, with intravenous magnesium. So magnesium is involved in that process as well. Um, and then the other one that we think of is um, premature labor is also treated with intravenous magnesium infusion. So it's, it's stopping the contraction of the uterus. So, yeah, there we go. Another place where magnesium is involved, but it raises the question you know, would there be some benefit um, to increasing magnesium if you had asthma? Well, it sounds like you've got nothing to lose, right? You've got absolutely nothing to lose. And then the other really important circular muscle is the one that surrounds our arteries. And when, when that contracts, the blood pressure goes up. So we're talking about high blood pressure or hypertension. And yes, definitely magnesium supplements have been shown to lower blood pressure. And again, it makes, it makes perfect sense if magnesium is involved in the relaxation of muscle and it relaxes the muscles around the arteries, it will lower the blood pressure. So yeah. here we go. Another, another win for magnesium. Do you um, recommend that to, and we're not here to diagnose anything and, uh, you know, it's a radio show, so we'll just put that out there. But is that something that you would consider um, when you're looking at, you know, uh, someone with hypertension and yes, yeah. So you definitely absolutely. go there. Yeah, absolutely. I would, um, I would try and measure the red cell magnesium, and certainly if it was low, I would treat. But I'd say there's no harm in a month's worth of magnesium supplements and see if the blood pressure changes. Right. Interesting. Okay. Now, another one. Another one along that line is um, migraine. So. Migraine is a complex condition, but the contraction of the arteries um, in the head or the scalp or with, within the skull um, is part of that migraine process, and, and magnesium has a role in the treatment of migraine as well. Migraine sometimes involves visual disturbance too, doesn't it? 
Yeah, I think which is contraction of the blood Same vessels thing. around the um, visual cortex. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, I can see why it's starting. You called it or or, or said that it was called the hero. It it touches so many things, right? Magnesium. Yeah. Hey, now I want to talk about sleep next because oh. magnesium is really, really important in sleep. So a um, little bit of a, a discussion about sleep. So melatonin is the main sleep hormone. And about an hour before bed, you get a, um, a surge of melatonin. So it's a little bit like an intravenous injection of an anesthetic. By time for beddy. Time for bed, yeah. that's what the body's saying, right? Yeah. Sends the message. And then when you're due to wake up, um, so around 5 a.m. in the morning, this doesn't apply to you, Paul, but for no. around 5 a.m. for most people, the um the you get uh a, or the melatonin is dropping through the night and it gets to a, a threshold point where it doesn't keep you asleep anymore. So melatonin's pretty important, and guess what? Magnesium is intricately involved in the generation of magnesium. So if you have a magnesium deficiency, you potentially will not make enough of the melatonin. But more so, a magnesium acts as the chaperone for the melatonin. So uh, if yeah. you've got a magnesium deficiency, the uh, melatonin doesn't work properly. Um, and if you've got, if you're replete with magnesium, it will extend and exaggerate the action of melatonin so basically it'll help you get to sleep and it will keep you asleep and so many people have mel have um, sleep issues yeah i wonder i wonder how much of it is due to magnesium deficiency and you know i think if you're taking melatonin take magnesium at the same time what is the ideal length of sleep yeah, great question. Uh, it's variable, and there's many uh, very important people in the world who have slept very little, I think. Um, Margaret Thatcher, Winston Churchill, I think they were around five hours a night. Yeah. And I imagine if you are the Prime Minister of Britain, it's quite an advantage if you can um, have more time to read documents and less time to sleep. Yeah. Um, the average um, seems to be about seven to eight hours. But I think the point is if you're having less sleep than your body needs, that's going to lead to some problems. Yeah. You know, and, and it will be variable. And uh, I guess people know how much they need to feel on top of the world. If we know that magnesium is very important for the contraction of muscles and we know that it's important for nerves, I think um, if you've got a magnesium deficiency, you may get into some heart issues, either with the rhythm, so things like atrial fibrillation, or with the, um, not so much the contraction of the heart, but the relaxation phase of the heart. So that's called diastole, that's the filling phase. So if the heart muscle doesn't relax properly, you can't get as much blood in, and that can reduce the stroke volume. So we could experience fatigue with exertion with a magnesium deficiency or a rhythm disturbance. So, yeah, and the other place where muscle and nerves come together is the gut, you know, and and you can certainly experience abdominal cramps uh, with a magnesium deficiency. So, so yep, the, the heart and the gut. So, yeah, that's a, that's a we, I called that a double whammy 
where where muscles and uh, nerves come together. Right. Just I thought so. we needed to talk about what foods are high in magnesium because oh, yeah. our preference, you know, our preference is always to try and get uh, magnesium from our food, and the supplements is a um, a backup, a plan B. So, um, food sources are beans, yep, spinach, nuts, avocados, and mushrooms were the ones that sort of stood out at, to me as being very good sources of magnesium. And I've always thought of magnesiums, magnesium, oh, sorry, mushrooms as being a very good source. So those are the foods which are high. But it's really interesting that when you map um, fertilizer use and magnesium um, levels within food, there's a like one of those crossover graphs. So as we've put more superphosphate onto our crops, um, the magnesium level has gone down. So Oh, um, we've okay. talked about this before, but you know we are anticipating that our vegetables are wonderful sources of nutrients and magnesium, but it's possible, depending on how they're growing, that they may not have as much magnesium in them as we anticipate. That's worth considering. Yeah, so it might be useful to look at a supplement, and there's a there's a little bit to think about there because. Um, it will always say magnesium, but then the second part of it will be what is it um, linked to. So magnesium sulfate, that's Epsom salts, and that's definitely a laxative. So okay. um, if you're looking for a laxative effect, that would be a good way to take your magnesium. But if you're not, you'd probably avoid magnesium sulfate or Epsom salts. And then the other one that has an impact on the gut is the magnesium oxide, uh, which is called milk of magnesia, and that's a stool softener. So um, you could use that as a positive side effect, but if you're just wanting to increase your magnesium without any um, effect on your bowel, mm. then um, you probably want to link it with something else. And the ones that seem to be um, the most useful is magnesium gluconate and magnesium citrate um, seem to have less impact on the gut. Um, so I was just looking at my one here and um, two capsules contain 300 milligrams of magnesium gluconate and sort of two to 400 milligrams a day, around 300 milligrams is the, the usual uh, advised amount. And yeah, this one is a magnesium gluconate. So um, shouldn't have a direct impact on the gut. Okay. And then when might when would you take your magnesium? So generally you take magnesium at night because um, of its um, assistance with sleep. So it's a calming um, one, so it's probably better taken at night time than taken in the morning. Not, not that that's a, a big issue. I guess it depends on what impact you're wanting to have. It's not just the magnesium amount that you take in because there's things that can block the effect of magnesium so you could you could be replete with magnesium but if you had some of these magnesium blockers it's not going to do its job and the ones that stand out um, are some of the heavy metals um, so copper can block it and also cadmium which is a, a heavy metal in the sort of sort of family of mercury and um, and things so so that can block it so it gets pretty complicated as you can see you could 
you could actually have enough magnesium, but it's not able to do its job because it's being blocked by something like cadmium. So that's, I think, what I know about magnesium. Thank you, Dr. Glenn Davies and other health hacks. Thank you, Paul. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.